Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by, and welcome to the Chemtrade Logistics Income Fund Q2 2021 Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to Rohit Bardwaj, Chief Financial Officer. Thank you. Please go ahead. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, we also have Scott Rook, our Chief Executive Officer, with us on the call this morning, and similar to the last few earnings calls in different locations. To start, we have a change uh, to the structure of the call that I would like to highlight. There will be a slight presentation to accompany our earnings results discussions today. You should be able to view the presentation on the webcast link provided, and the slides are also available for download on our website. To begin, I will review the Q2 21 results, after which I will provide an update to our 21 full-year earnings guidance and assumptions and key sensitivities, after which Scott will follow with some remarks on the current state and outlook for the business. Following that, there will be a Q&A session. Before I start on the results, I would like to remind you that our presentation contains certain forward-looking statements that are based on current expectations and are subject to a number of uncertainties and risks, and actual results may differ materially. Further information identifying risks, uncertainties, and assumptions, and additional information on certain non-IFRS measures referred to in this call can be found in the disclosure documents filed by Chemtrade in the securities regulatory authorities available at SEDA.com. One of the non-IFRS measures that you will refer to in this call is adjusted EBITDA, which is EBITDA modified to exclude only non-cashed items such as unrealized foreign exchange gains and losses. For simplicity, we will just refer to it as EBITDA as opposed to adjusted EBITDA. Both of these terms are fully defined in our MDMA. Starting with the aggregate results for the second quarter of 21, revenue was $37.3 million, a decrease of $10.3 million from 2020. The stronger Canadian dollar relative to the US dollar had a negative impact on reported revenues of $29.4 million. The Canadian dollar relative to the US dollar was significantly stronger during the second quarter at US one equaling Canadian 123 compared with the same period of 2020 when US 1 equaled Canadian dollar 139. This had a negative impact on the financial results in all of our operating segments during the second quarter. In, a, in addition, lower selling prices for sodium chlorate and caustic soda in the electrochem segment resulted in lower revenues for the period, but this was partially offset by higher sales volumes of all chloralkali products in the EC segment and higher sales volume of regen acid in the SPPC segment. 
Consolidated EBITDA of $65.2 million was $10.4 million lower than Q2 2020, with a stronger Canadian dollar responsible for $7.5 million of the decrease. Distributable cash of $21.2 million was $10.5 million lower than the same period in 2020, with a stronger Canadian dollar representing $4.3 million of the decrease. As a reminder, every one cent of increase in the Canadian dollar per US dollar is, is expected to reduce annual EBITDA by roughly $1.8 million and distributable cash by $1 million and vice versa. Shifting now to the individual segment results for the quarter, sulfur products and performance chemicals or SDPC generated revenue of $105.2 million during the second quarter of 21, which was higher than the $104 million generated in the same quarter of, 20, of 2020, despite $10.2 million of headwinds attributable to the stronger Canadian dollar. The increase in revenue is attributed to higher sales volume of Regen due to refineries running at higher rates and higher selling prices for Regen and merchant acid. We are pleased to see a rebound in Regen acid demand as COVID restrictions were lifted in North America and the miles driven have started to get back to pre-pandemic levels. In addition, we have been able to capture higher pricing in Regen and merchant acid driven by the higher sulfur index numbers and strong demand. This was partially offset by lower sales volumes of ultra-pure acid, resulting from the previously disclosed large end-use customer that decided to obtain acid from an alternate source. EBITDA for the period was $30.3 million, which was $1.1 million lower than 2020. The stronger Canadian dollars negatively affected EBITDA by $3.3 million. Better results in regen acid more than offset the foreign exchange impact and the lower ultra-pure sulfuric acid results. Also of note during the quarter, SDPC's largest byproduct sulfuric acid supplier, Valet, experienced a work stoppage that started on June 1st, 21. They recently announced their plans to restart their operations in the first week of August 21. This event did not have a significant impact on results for the second quarter, but it will have a more significant impact on third quarter results. Our water solutions and specialty chemicals or WSSC segment reported second quarter revenue of $108.6 million compared with $113.5 million in 2020. The decrease in revenue is attributed to the stronger Canadian dollar, which had a negative impact of $10.7 million. This was partially offset by higher selling prices and volumes for water solutions products. EBITDA for the period was $22.3 million, which was $3.7 million lower in the same period in 2020. Higher raw material costs for water solutions products, in addition to the stronger Canadian dollar, offset the higher pricing and volumes that we were able to achieve during the quarter. As a reminder, the water solutions business is generally a contract business that typically requires one-year commitments on pricing. As a result, our ability to recoup raw material cost increases typically lags as we renew our contracts when they come due. This represents a headwind when raw materials are rising and a tailwind when raw materials are declining. The EC segment reported second quarter revenue of $123.5 million compared with $130.1 million in 2020. 
The lower revenue was primarily due to the impact of the stronger Canadian dollar, which had a negative impact on revenue of $8.5 million. Lower sales volume and selling prices for sodium chlorate and lower caustic soda pricing was more than offset by a 38% increase in hydrochloric acid sales volumes and a 26% increase in sales volumes of chlorine. EBITDA for the period was $23.8 million compared with $34.7 million in 2020, a decrease of $10.9 million with $4.2 million of a decrease attributable to the stronger Canadian dollar. Lower sales volumes and prices for sodium chlorate and lower selling prices for caustic soda were the other reasons for reduced EBITDA. Corporate costs in the period were $12.6 million compared with $18 million in the same period of 2020. Excluding unrealized foreign exchange gains, corporate costs were $5.4 million lower than the same period of 2020. The decrease in corporate costs was primarily due to a realized foreign exchange gain of $4.1 million in the second quarter of 21, compared with a loss of $2.1 million in the same period of 2020. In addition, the company benefited from a $1 million government grant recognized in relation to pandemic relief programs in the second quarter of 21. This was partially offset by $2.9 million in higher long-term incentive plan costs in the same period compared with 2020. Turning to our balance sheet, we maintain senior credit facilities that consist of a U.S. $325 million term loan and a U.S. $525 million revolving credit line, which in total represents an aggregate credit facility of U.S. $850 million. We continue to maintain ample liquidity with U.S. $246 million undrawn on the facility. As of June 30th, 21, Kemtrade was compliant with all debt covenants contained in our credit agreement the senior debt-to-EBITDA ratio of approximately 3.8. Chemtrade has no debt maturities until August 23. As a reminder, our decision to borrow mainly in U.S. dollars provides a long-term hedge against currency fluctuations. I will now shift to our financial outlook. We have decided to reinstate our guidance of 21 as we now have more certainty in the key drivers for our business. For the full year of 21, we expect EBITDA to be in a range of 245 to $260 million, maintenance capex to be in a, ra- to be in a range of 72 to $77 million, lease expense is expected to be between 50 and $55 million, cash interest is expected to be between 65 and $70 million, Cash taxes are forecast to be between four and eight million dollars. There are a few significant factors to be considered when comparing 21's EBITDA range and actual EBITDA achieved in 2020. First, the stronger Canadian dollar relative to the US dollar. During 2020, the average exchange rate was one US dollar equals 1.34. Canadian dollars, whereas we are assuming an average rate of 123 during 21. This has a negative impact on 21 EBITDA of approximately $20 million. As we know, the first quarter of 2020 was unaffected by the COVID-19 pandemic, and EBITDA for the first quarter of 21 was $25.5 million below the first quarter of 2020. 
As parcel offsets to the above two points, 2020 had the biennial turnaround at our Northman facility, as well as a major customer turnaround that affected one of our large weekend plans. The key assumptions driving the outlook are in our MDNA and shown on the slide. I will not read these out for you, but will remind you that our caustic soda price generally lags the Northeast Asia spot index by a quarter. The key sensitivities that, we, that will have an annual impact on our EBITDA are shown on the slide. Again, I will not read these out for you, uh, and you can uh, access them on the presentation. I'll now hand the call over to Scott for some comments on the longer-term outlook for Kentridge business. Scott? Thank you. <clears throat> thank you, Rohit. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's call. I hope you're all doing well. As you will have noticed, effective this quarter, we have decided to include a PowerPoint presentation to accompany this call. This has also been posted to our website. We believe that you will find this uh, additional disclosure helpful. Even though the effects of the pandemic linger on, there's volatility in our business. We decided to reintroduce earnings guidance. Turning now to our outlook. As Rohit just reviewed our 2021 forecast, I will now spend some time reviewing our longer-term outlook and strategy. But before I do that, I would like to mention one item that will have an impact on third quarter results. As most of you probably know, Valet's Sudbury operation experienced a work stoppage from June the 1st until last week. Thankfully, the strike is over, and although it only lasted roughly two months, there will be additional cost in incurred during the third quarter as given the uncertainty regarding the duration of the strike, we had to make alternate sourcing decisions. Since before the strike, the sulfuric acid market was in tight supply, the alternate supply was difficult to obtain and was very expensive. The situation is quite fluid, but we estimate that this could have a negative impact of between five and $10 million in 2021. Now, moving to our long-term outlook, as I've highlighted before, our strategy is to deliver sustained earnings growth, which will result in an improved balance sheet and reward investors. Additionally, Chemtrade will focus on being a leading example for corporate environmental, social, and governance responsibility. This is ingrained in our culture, and we will continue to strive towards making a positive impact for our employees customers, shareholders, and the society we operate in. There are three components to our strategy. The first component is being positioned to benefit from a market recovery as the COVID-19 vaccine gets rolled out and the economy returns to more normal levels. The second, we are diligently pursuing organic growth opportunities that will deliver increased size, scale, and diversity of earnings. In the near term, we're focused on organic growth opportunities that we find attractive, and in, and in several years, as our balance sheet strengthens, we may consider acquisitions again. And finally, a key area of focus in our, is our operational excellence. We are passionate about improving our productivity, assets, and people to drive sustainable earnings. We see our business and balance sheet improving with time. 
As mentioned, our EBITDA is sensitive to the U.S.-Canadian exchange rate. Although the impact is reduced at the, distribu the distributable cash level. Shifting now to our focus on market recovery from a post-COVID-19 economy, starting with the EC business, which includes our chloral alkali product line. As a reminder, this business has been dramatically impacted over the past two years from near record low caustic soda prices combined with low fracking activity in North America. In the second quarter, we continue to see signs of improvement, particularly in the caustic soda market, and we believe the trough is behind us. Demand for caustic soda and end-use applications for aluminum and lithium-ion battery production continue to look strong with increased spending on infrastructure, housing, and growing consumer demand for electric vehicles and other battery-powered devices. Taiwan caustic contract pricing which historically has been a leading indicator for Northeast Asia spot pricing, has continued to move higher, and market analysts are bullish on the mid to long term. As a reminder, for every $50 per ton increase in caustic pricing, the business generates about $10.5 billion in higher margin. For perspective, even if, if the current Northeast Asia spot price for caustic, which is $350 per ton, stayed flat through 2022, it would mean a roughly $20 million improvement in margin for us over 2021. Hydrochloric acid demand and pricing should continue to improve as well with oil prices recovering and fracking activity picking up. This is particularly true for Western Canada, where our coral alkali production is based. Chlorine demand and pricing has also benefited from strong demand for PVC and bleach products combined with the capacity in the U.S. that was rationalized. We expect pricing to continue to remain strong, driven by demand. We also expect some modest improvement in demand for sodium chlorate as offices and schools reopen and demand for printing paper recovers. In the SPPC business, regen sulfuric acid will continue to depend on higher North American refinery utilization and industrial activity. In the second quarter, we had a strong rebound in demand from refineries as the COVID restrictions in North America was lifted. Also in the second quarter, U.S. highway traffic data climbed above pre-pandemic levels for the first time since the start of the pandemic. We expect this to continue as COVID vaccinations are increasingly administered across the world and borders fully reopen. We expect that driving miles in 2022 should be back to 2019 levels. Next, I'll discuss a few areas where we have significant potential for growth. We see a significant opportunity for our ultra-pure sulfuric acid that mainly supplies the semiconductor industry. The long-term fundamentals for the semiconductor industry are strong with leading global semiconductor manufacturers such as TSMC, Samsung, and Intel recently announcing U.S. expansion plans. In addition, the U.S. administration recently committed $50 billion to support domestic chip manufacturing capacity. 
We think there are very strong fundamentals for this business with current U.S. demand for ultra-pure sulfuric acid exceeding domestic capacity. Although there are short-term headwinds with this business due to the loss of a key customer, we have already made good strides toward replacing that lost business, and we expect to return to 2020 sales levels next year in, in 2022. Going forward, we intend to add capacity and meet the growing needs of our key customers. The water solutions business continues to be an appealing segment for us with long-term organic growth opportunities driven by tighter government regulations that are creating a need for more specialized products. As Rohit mentioned, in the short term, <clears throat> margins have been squeezed with higher raw material costs and the timing on how quickly we can pass those costs through to end customers. But margins are recovering as we renew and update contract customers. So we continue to remain focused on organic growth opportunities for new specialized water treatment coagulants and will look to expand our existing PAC and ACH production in regions where that makes sense. And in the future, as we improve our balance sheet, we could also consider smaller acquisitions in this space. The third area of growth is tied to our co-production of hydrogen that is part of the sodium chlorate process, and to a lesser extent, our chloral alkali. We are pursuing several opportunities in the hydrogen market that will allow us to fully monetize those hydrogen streams. Our, plants our plant manufacturing sites use hydroelectric power, so we are generating green hydrogen, which is important from an ESG perspective and financial return. In Q1, we announced a deal for our small chlorate plant in Prince George that requires no capital investment from Chemtrade and will start to have significant returns in five years. The big opportunity for hydrogen is at our Brandon, Manitoba facility, and that's about five times the size of Prince George. I'll now spend a few minutes talking about the operational excellence initiatives we have been working on. In 2020, we launched a productivity and reliability initiative that's focused on achieving $10 million in savings each year. These initiatives are critical to generating sustainable earnings and will help offset inflationary cost increases going forward. To support these projects, we have been assigning black belt and green belt leaders, and we have also been training our staff in these proven Six Sigma methodologies. Our goal is to create a culture of continuous improvement that leverages the best practices and technology to drive improved performance. I would now like to discuss our ESG approach and how we will be implementing systems company-wide to help us track our performance. Targets will be set and integrated into our long-term strategic planning, which will include environmental, such as greenhouse gas, waste and energy management, social, workforce and operational safety, emergency preparedness and employee diversity and inclusion, and governance, focusing on ethical and doing the right thing, management of our legal and regulatory environment, and proactively governing with our environmental and social issues. Some of the recent ESG highlights include our focus on renewable energy, where 96% 
of the electricity used at our 17 largest sites was generated from renewable hydroelectric sources in 2020. We talked about the financial benefit of the sale of hydrogen to Hydra Energy, which will generate $5 million in margins in five years, but will also reduce our carbon dioxide equivalent emissions by 10% of our total CO2 emissions. That's equivalent to the emissions from North Vancouver, our largest Canadian site. From a waste generation, over 75% of our industrial waste is high clay alumina. In 2020, we repurposed 27% and reduced our landfill costs. We are pursuing projects to repurpose an additional 30%. And most importantly, on safety in 2020, employee injury frequency was at a seven-year low. This has created a culture where employee retention rate in 2020 was almost 87%. In summary, our earnings growth will be well positioned to benefit from the COVID-19 recovery. Commercially, we will continue to pursue organic growth opportunities and ultra-pure acid, water, and hydrogen. Operationally, we will continue to focus on improved productivity and reliability. Additionally, we will be a leading example for corporate ES&G responsibility. We think these initiatives will be critical as we continue to strive to be a great chemical company. Thank you. Rohit and I will now be happy to take questions. As a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, you may do so by pressing star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Again, that is star one if you would like to ask a question. Your first question is from Jacob Bout of CIBC. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Good morning. Morning. I want to, start, want to start with the uh, sodium chlorate um, and the decline of volumes that, that you've seen um, so far this year. Maybe talk a bit about you know, how you're thinking about that. Is it, you know, how much is structural versus uh, pandemic uh, related? All right. Well, um, so there, there are two parts to it. Let's start with, uh, with the, the pandemic uh, part. Um, we have seen, or in North America, there has been uh, approximately a 50% um, reduction in office paper production since COVID-19 has, has started. So that's the white paper. It's a bleach paper, which uses chlorate. Um, we do believe that as schools and offices reopen, uh, we expect office paper to, to pick up. Um, we, we do not expect it to pick up to the pre-pandemic levels, um, but, but we are forecasting that, that's going to, that, that we will see a pickup from that. Um, that being said, there are some structural changes happening in this market. We have, uh, we have a number of our customers that have, uh, that have closed, that they've shut down their production lines for uh, bleached paper. Um, those lines that have been shut down can reopen. Uh, it, it's hard to say right now, though, 
uh, well, we do expect a, a pickup in, in volume, uh, but we don't expect it to, to pick back up to pre-pandemic levels. So on a normalized basis, what, what would you think the decline in, in structural volumes, uh, you know, is going to be on a go-forward basis? So I would say um, I think that um, from where where we were, we saw we saw a uh, um, we we saw a ten percent drop, I'll say, in our core eight demand, and I think we'll uh, I'll hope for a pickup of half of that is going to come back. Okay, um, and then moving to the WSS. C uh, business um, sounds like the biggest driver of, of lower margins was was the um, With the new contracts being negotiated, um, have is it are you able to tie the selling price to the Canadian dollar, or are you thinking about changes in how you're uh, hedging your your FX? So let me take a look at that. Um, so you ask, you were asking about the water business for you, or yeah, on the water make business, sure. Yes. Yeah. So our, so our water business is really not, uh, you know, it's not well. The Canadian dollar is not relevant to our water business because we don't really export water. Uh, it's produced close to the customers, so our U.S. customers get, you know, product from our U.S. plants, and our Canadian customers get product from the Canadian plants. So the big headwind there has been raw material increases. And so uh, we cannot tie our contracts. Um, you know, most of our contracts are municipal, so you have to give a fixed price. But what happens is when they come for renewal, which is all the time, uh, we are able to pass through the raw material costs generally without an issue. And typically, if you look at historically, whenever raw materials have been rising, you know, as these contracts roll over, we actually expand margins because you know once the on the other side of, the, of it, when raw materials stabilize and start to decline prices take a longer time coming down. So, so in, in that business, the exchange is not as big of a factor. Okay, and then what do the contract renewals look like for the next uh, 12 to 18 months? It's, it's normal. So we don't have any peak uh, contracting seasons. They, you know, they spread out. So municipal business is not, it's very, very uh, uh, dispersed. So it's not, you know, so they're basically, you know, hundreds of contracts that come up every week, basically. So you, you can, for intents and purposes, assume they're evenly spread. So kind of renewals, what kind of a, a three-year process or would it be less than that? No, 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 less. It's typically an annual contract. So, so you, you say it takes about six months on average. And it's the annual contract. Okay. okay. Helpful. Thank you. Your next question is from Joel Jackson of BMO Capital Markets. Good morning, guys. Morning, Good morning. I, I had a few questions I'm going to ask them one by one. Um, so you know, typically uh, Q3 earnings are higher for you in the fourth quarter for both the company and uh, for all the segments. Uh, for some of the reasons you stated, it looks like the reverse will be true for both the company and for probably Electrochem and, and SPPC. Can you please elaborate on that? So uh, let, let me start out, Joel, with that, then I'll, uh, I'll have Rohit. Um, so... Yes, we, we do see that is uh, that's going to, to be the, the case with uh, certainly with Electrochem. Um, I think as you know, um, the caustic soda for us uh, is is priced roughly on the average of the prior quarters um, 
caustic soda price. And so as we are seeing caustic soda continue to move up. And so uh, what we shared, what the comment that I, I made earlier a few minutes ago was that even if caustic soda stayed flat um, with where it is right now, for us next year, that's a $20 million gain. Just on this, uh, as, you, as you look at, at, the, at the, again, the, the prior caustic uh, price in the quarter. So I think that's, uh, that's the, the most significant uh, change. Sorry, Joel, can I just, I just want to make sure I, I understood your question. Were you saying that you're thinking that our back half of 21 is going to be weaker than the first half of 21? No, 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 I'm talking okay. about the Q3, Q4 mix in the second half of 21. So typically Q3, you earn more money, more EBITDA in the Q3 than the Q4. But this year, it looks like you're going to earn more in Q4 than Q3. Is that correct? So, so let me just, we didn't uh, give you the quarterly split. So I just want to understand, is that an assumption you're making or you're inferring that from something that we may have told you? I'm asking you the question. <laughs> oh, you're asking the question. Uh, I'm looking, okay, so I'm, I'm looking at looking at lag, lag caustic prices. I'm looking at the Valley Copper Cliff issue in Q3 and, and other factors. Yeah, so I think yeah, I, I would say that you know the Valley is definitely unique to Q3, and the caustic lag is is correct. So yeah, so on, on that basis, you can make you can make that assumption. I, I just want to make sure we're you know we're getting the right uh, right facts, and you're asking the question okay. as opposed to and, yeah, okay, and. You gave, I appreciate the color on, on if, if caustic holds flat here, you, you get 20 million more margin in 2022. Can we expand on that a little bit? If chlorine and hydrochloric acid prices hold flat, what would be the impact on 2022? And then what would be the offset from the biennial, excuse me, the biennial turnaround at North Van? So the turnaround, you know, we've in the past said it's five to $7 million. Some of it depends on, in fact, you know, when, when, um, when caustic prices are higher, the hurt is a little bit higher because we lose production at a higher margin. But anyway, in, in that ballpark, and I think with the HCL and chlorine, you know, there is some. We all, but we've already we were already experiencing a bunch of that this year. So I think when you compare 22 to 21, there might be a slight lift, but but not as much because we've already got we don't you know we're already getting a good good pricing there as opposed to cost as opposed to caustic, which was which has a trajectory that is just starting to ramp up. And so that's why the impact in 22 is more than on 21. Okay, and, and finally, um, you, you know, you talked about normalized earnings with business, so 300 to 350 million. How many years under that range? It's been now a couple. How many years under that range would it take you to start considering that you may have to reset and lower the distribution? So, um, so Joel, we are. I'll say we have uh, no, uh, we don't have any plans uh, to adjust the, the distribution uh, as it is right now. And I will remind you that um, that the the exchange rate um, the, the exchange rate has a more pronounced impact on earnings than it does on cash. And so, as uh, even though our earnings are impacted by the strong Canadian dollar. Um, at the cash level, it's uh, it's half of that because our debt is based in U.S. dollars. So the stronger the, the Canadian dollar, in effect, our, our debt is uh, is going down. Um, but look, we we see the uh, this business. I'll 
also we, we don't have any, any plans to change the the distribution. We think we're going to be we're going to be fine. Um, our uh, organic growth uh, projects are are on track, and uh, so I I think we're as the market recovers, and we're we're uh, we see that the market recovery happening in, in Regen, we see the market recovery happening in, in Caustic Soda. Um, we we're still looking for more recovery in chlorate, um, but for the most part, I think the market recovery is uh, is on track from what we're looking for. Uh, and organic growth is going to be kicking in, and so we think we'll we'll be fine. And I want to add just one thing to that, Joel, just so we again set the stage uh, there. Um, so when we released our guidance in 2020 of 300 to 350, that actually our distribution was a dollar 20. We, uh, when, these, we, when the COVID pandemic hit a couple of months later is when we pulled our guidance and that's when we cut our distribution. So in the context of the 300, 350, we actually were comfortable with the, with the, with the previous distribution rate. So I, don't, you know, so I don't think we have to, so at the, at the half rate, I, I don't think there's a concern, um, you know, if you're below the 300 million. Thank you very much. Welcome. Your next question is from David Newman of Just Jordans. Uh, Jordan, uh, <laughs> you, got, you got a new bank. You got a new bank there. David. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so just just following on Joel's question on um, just looking at uh, certainly looking at caustic and hydrochloric acid and uh, chlorine. If you're going into the second half here in your guidance, it already looks like the caustic soda price is above your guidance for the full year. So as you look into the second half versus the first half, any sense on what caustic could deliver in the second half uh, and chlorine and hydrochloric acid in the second half versus the first half? So I think, uh, David, the, the third quarter caustic was already established you know, in, in our guidance so that the Q3 is, is locked. Uh, you're right that Q4, you know, if you do the math on, on kind of, if you do the math on our, our, our assumption, you'll see that we are assuming that the index for Q2 and Q3, because that's, what, that's the back half of 21, is a $315 index level. So uh, today we are, you know, above that. If, if today's price hangs in there till, you know, till the end of the third quarter, we get the list in Q4. So the Q4 lift, you know, could be about a $50 uh, ton per ton higher, which we've which we've quantified for you as a, as a sensitivity being in that $10 million, $10.5 million annual. So that could be a couple million dollars in Q4. But again, we have to see how it how it hangs in there and what other puts and takes are there. But in terms of chlorine and HCl, you know, we we have been seeing those increases already, and we've, we've been factoring them into our guidance. Okay, and, and also, too, that's a U.S. dollar index, and the Canadian dollar is starting to uh, recover here a little bit, thank God. Um, I, I mean, the other way around. It, it, what's the, yeah. uh, so what's the, the impact here uh, in terms of, you said the sensitivity is one cent is equal to, again, sorry? One, it's uh, 1.7 on EBITDA and about 0.7 on distributable cash. Okay, but that's an EBITDA impact. How does it play into the actual realized pricing that you get in Vancouver, the northwest uh, uh, part of the country? 
Yeah, so you're right. It's a U.S. dollar index, so FX does play a role. So you do have to apply, you know, what the current rates are. So if you look at our assumption that we made, so our assumption is that the second half, we've assumed um, an exchange rate of a dollar twenty-two. So you, you can, you know, see how, um, you know, you can see how the dollar is evolving and, and what impact that might have. Um, so, I mean, I'd like to leave it at that because that's the, we spelled out that assumption to you what our second half assumption is on the exchange. Okay. And, and just looking at the, the market itself, the, 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 the whole molecule is doing well. And, um, you know, there's a lot of a balancing act here that goes on um, between chlorine, hydrochloric acid, and, and well, th- those two. And so, I mean, what are you burning right now? And uh, what the dynamics of the market in chlorine versus hydrochloric acid? Yeah, so I'll uh, I'll take that. Um, we are uh, so in the past, you know, uh, our strong preference um, would have been to sell hydrochloric acid um, into the fracking community as close to North Van our North Vancouver site as we could have. Uh, those dynamics are beginning to to change, um, although it, it, that is still for us our. Um, our best option to move our to move chlorine, but it is um, uh, but but the gap is is beginning to close, and so we have seen we and the industry are, are seeing higher prices in chlorine and also higher prices in hydrochloric, um, and we've also seen a, a pickup in in demand as well. So the 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 market and as you say the the molecule is, is doing well both from a from a market demand standpoint and pricing. Okay, very good. And last question for me, guys, is, um, you know, you talked about uh, regen and obviously that during during the whole pandemic, um, driving activity dropped like a stone, and it is recovering. But I'm not sure we're 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 full throttle just yet. Um, I'm certainly not full throttle in 2Q to begin 2Q and to end 2Q and into 3Q. Um, and you look out into the fall and this hybrid model that we we're all going to be living in. I'm not sure what your view is on that, but what are you seeing from your customers in terms of utilization levels, and how do they begin the quarter, and how do they end the quarter, and oh, and how meaningful could that be in the second half vis-a-vis the first half? So I'll, I'll take that. So the, uh, as we look at, um, well, in this year, our Q1 was, uh, uh, with, with Regen was relatively light, uh, and that was primarily due to the stay-at-home orders uh, in California and out on the, out on the West Coast, and then that was combined or coupled with the, with the cold weather impact uh, uh, that we had in in Texas and in the Gulf Coast. So Q1 started out uh, pretty slow. Um, in Q in Q2, um, our customers ran pretty hard for the most part uh, across North America. They were coming out of it and and they ran. They ran hard, um, and so from the beginning of the quarter to the second part of the quarter, um, I would say that demand was ramping up. Um, and we see in Q3 that it's going to be pretty strong. Uh, there's always a seasonal drop off in, in Q4, um, but as we look into into next year, uh, we certainly don't see uh, or we see a much stronger Q1 next year than what we had versus versus last. Um, versus this year. Very good. And Thanks, David, they just pub, they just yeah, go published ahead. the refin- 
website, David, they just published the refinery utilization rates yesterday, and it's right on the five-year average mark right now. So, you know, at least in the Q3, we're right at that average. That makes sense. Excellent. Thanks, guys. As a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, please press star 1. Your next question is from Steve Hansen of Raymond James. Yeah, hey guys, just a couple for me. Um, just, just first on the water treatment margins, Rohit, you described sort of the six-month sort of average roll on the, on the contract or the time that it takes to roll the contract. Where are we in that process relative to the raw material move? A lot of raw materials started moving early this year, of course. I mean, should we start to expect that recovery into the back half here, or should we expect another quarter or two of, of pressure? That will take probably a quarter or two. So, you know, especially when you're comping against uh, last year, uh, then, you know, when we were actually uh, getting the higher margins. So, yeah, on a comparative basis, it will take, you know, a couple of quarters more to, to start getting back. And also, if we wanted to think sequentially when we could start to see a lift off the bottom, is that... You should think about it that yes, way. But, yes, but be careful. Uh, I always caution that the, uh, there is some seasonality in the alum business, but, you know, uh, but you can, you, uh, sequentially you can look at that, yeah. Okay. Uh, that's helpful, thanks. And then just on, again, not to harp on the FX issue, but just make sure I understand it, the 1.8 that you cited, I think, Rohit, per penny, that's on a corporate-wide yeah. basis, right? It's not on, a, on an individual segment basis, correct? Yeah, that's the corporate basis. And, and as you said, about half of that is, uh, you know, half of that drops the, to the distributable cash line. Understood. Okay, helpful. And then just lastly, if I may, is just around, um, you know, the, this, this discussion over Valet. Um, is, there, is there a reason the range is still so wide at this point? The strike is over. Um, so I'm just trying to get a sense for is, is five more realistic or is 10 more realistic? No. If I can, uh, sorry, go ahead, Scott. Go ahead. Yeah. No. Well, of course. Well, <clears throat> um, um, well, I don't think I'll comment on uh, is five more realistic or, or or ten. I think we'll I think we'll stick with with the range. But what I will say is that um, as we were planning what to do with our operations to uh, to deal uh, with, with the strike, we had to go ahead as as we said, we had to go ahead and and lock up supply and, and, to, and secure as much asset as we could to supply our contract customers. Which, so we, we have done that and we have signed agreements to, uh, to secure asset and, uh, and deliver that to our customers. And so we are, uh, we're kind of locked in on that. So we are going to have an impact in, in Q3 because of that, even though the, the strike is, uh, is over. And I think the reason for the range, Steve, is because you know, there are some details still being worked through, and there could be some ups and downs there. So that's why, we, we, even though the strike is over, you know, it's important that we keep that range because there are you know things that could get us below the midpoint, things that might take us above the midpoint. Okay, no, that's fair. I just, just wanted to ask. Uh, and just lastly, maybe just to focus on the balance of that business, just do you want to maybe comment on the conditions out there in the merchant business today, excluding the valley issue, of course? But it sounds like Pricing is better and, and demand is better, but I mean, how should we think about the evolution here to the back half? Yeah, also, um, uh, so demand in that segment is pretty strong. Um, so sulfuric acid is going into, you know, goes into fertilizer, goes into metal production, tends to follow uh, general GDP, and so demand is uh, is strong, um, and and 
pricing has certainly moved up in, in that segment. Now, pricing uh, in the merchant asset market changes uh, very frequently, certainly changes uh, almost weekly. And, uh, and so sulfur prices have gone up rapidly, and, so, and, uh, and this business has, has certainly covered those price increases or the, the, the increases in raw materials. Okay, very helpful. That's it for me, guys. Thanks. Your next question is from Ben Isaacson of Scotiabank. Thank you very much. Um, Scott, when investors are looking at Chemtrade and they see you put up $265 million of EBITDA in 2020, and I think the midpoint is roughly 265 for this year, and uh, you've talked in the past about three to 350 as the um, uh, kind of mid-cycle run rate EBITDA generation. Can you describe describe what is in your control right now in terms of bridging your forecast um, uh, of 265 roughly to that three 350 uh, versus how much is just waiting for prices to improve or, or, or kind of hoping for market recoveries. And then within that context, can you break that up uh, within each of the segments? How much uh, are you expecting to control or what can you actually do to, to move things forward towards that, those mid-cycle levels? Thank you. Sure. All right. So let, let me first start out with, uh, with, a, with a bridge. Um, and so you, you take our, our range uh, that we said to, 245 to, to 260. Um, and if you compare the, the comments that we have made in the in the past uh, about the 300 to, to 350 going forward longer term, um, I think the, the first thing that you do with that number is you look at at the impact of, of FX, which is uh, which is somewhat of a more recent event, and that's that is certainly in the range of 20 million dollars and. And a month or so ago, we might have said that it would have been greater than, than $20 million. The, uh, the next thing I think that, that, you, that we look at is the impact of the valet strike, which is 5 to, five to 10. Um, and so I think that, uh, that probably is a, is a very significant um, bridge to get there. And then I'll say that the next part of it is, is the the Large, the single largest uh, factor that has negatively impacted ChemTrade earnings over the past two years has been the fall of, uh, of caustic soda pricing, um, I'll say, and the, and the drop in HCL demand tied to, to fracking. So that's been the single largest impact to this business. And we, uh, so we believe that caustic soda has troughed. And that it is, and that uh, that prices are clearly moving up. And as I've said, if um, uh, if caustic sodas just stays flat with where it is right now, that that's a twenty million dollar pickup. Um, we we've already seen pricing pick up, move up in hydrochloric and chlorine. Um, perhaps there's still higher room to go in that, and so that that could add on to that that twenty million dollars um, as well. So I think. For us, we've got um, uh, the way that that we're looking forward is that Regen um, Regen is going to continue to be strong. I mentioned that we had a, a weak first quarter because of the stay-at-home orders, uh, the stay-at-home orders, and, and the storm, the cold weather storm. 
um, sort of looking ahead, I think our regen business is going to follow North American refining, which uh, refining, which I think is going to be strong. And then next, our ultra pure volume, or the ultra pure business, has been has been recovering uh, nicely. Um, at the at the beginning of, of this year, I said that it might take 18 to 24 months for our ultra pure business to recover. And now I, we see ultra pure business uh, being back at, at the 20 levels uh, by by the beginning of, of next year. And so I think next year we'll, uh, ultra pure will, will be back. And um, and as we look forward, ultra pure is a very large growth opportunity for us. Um, we have we've obviously been we, we've seen for sure. A negative impact to, to the business uh, in the sodium chlorate, uh, and, and that's absolutely. We, we I mentioned the 50% reduction in office paper, uh, and we do expect that uh, to come back. But uh, uh, but we, I don't think office paper is, is going to come back fully. So I think that is that's going to work against us. So that's kind of the the bridge I think. Uh, to how you get from our guidance to what we have said in, in the past. That's great, Scott. So, so just to wrap up that, that question, then, if we take your midpoint of your 245 to 260, so we'll call it roughly 255 or so, um, and we add back the, the 20 for FX, let's call it 5 for Valet and 20 for Caustic, that brings us back to around 300. So, is it yep. fair to say that that you expect us to exit 21 at around a 300 million dollar run rate? Is that fair? Well, look, let's uh, let's let's. Uh, I don't think we can. I don't think we can in that exercise dismiss the impact of of FX. Um, if you want to, you know, if you want to do that, we would love that. But uh, but the look, the FX impacts are, are real on us. Now we have a. They are real. Um, we have a significant, you know, obviously a significant business that's in the U.S., um, and we generate those returns in the U.S. And then, as we as we release them and uh, and account for them, we uh, we account for them in, in Canadian dollars. So the impact is real. Right. Uh, but what we again, what we've said before is that our debt level, our, our debt is primarily based in U.S. dollars, uh, and so we are that there is the benefit um, of the debt reducing with uh, uh you know with this dollar perfect thank you very much your next question is from Indri Leno of national bank hi good morning uh thanks for taking my questions uh most of them have been answered uh, already but uh, uh one i wanted uh, i was wondering if you can talk a little bit about it uh, scott is that you said you plan to increase capacity in ultra pure acid uh, I was wondering if you can provide any color in terms of uh, the timing that you're thinking, even in broad strokes, and uh, what kind of capex might that require. So, look, um, uh, what I want to say is we will um, we'll plan on adding capacity here over over the the next uh, over the next couple of, of years. So, I'm not prepared to make a specific. Um, Comments on that or or capex, uh, but we'll just say that this the market in North America, um, the, the the market is you know has significant growth, and we are actively work 
working or looking and working through our options on how we can participate uh, in in this market space. Okay, uh, great. And, and one one follow up there. So, assuming no increase in capacity and you reach 2019 levels in early 22, would you be operating at capacity in ultra pure, or would you still have some uh, spare room to increase uh, if need be? We'll we will be. I'll say we'll be close to our capacity. Great, thank you, that's it for me. Your final question is from Steve Hansen of Raymond James. Yeah, just to follow up on the Elder Pure question, can you just remind us the size of that business in revenue or EBITDA terms at that 2020 level? Uh, and then perhaps just remind us of the hit that you've taken. I don't know if you actually quantified it. Uh, just trying to yes. understand the bridge between last the 2020 year and then going back to 2022. So sure. So uh, what we have said, you know, in the past is that, and this is now at the 2020 levels, not not for this year, is that um, the three types of asset account for about 80% of SPPC's EBITDA, and region and, and you know region was about half, and merchant was half, sorry, a quarter, and Altapir was a quarter on EBITDA. So that gets you to EBITDA. We didn't uh, quantify the the hit we took, but it was a very significant customer. You know, and this is a high-margin business, so, uh, so I, I, mean, I don't think you want to go further into the profitability of that one account, but, you know, you can kind of do some math based on, on what I've told you. No, that's helpful. That's all I needed. Thanks. Appreciate it. There are no other questions in queue. Do you have any closing remarks? Nope. No, thank you. We're good. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.